So welcome to St. Augustine's. This is our third podcast that we're doing that we've started in this time of COVID-19. And we're really glad to welcome any who are listening in. Uh, We have uh, today uh, Dan Ash, uh, myself, Jonathan Crane, and uh, Megan Crane, who is the music director at St. Augustine's. And we wanted to do a conversation this week uh, by way of doing an introduction to Holy Week, which begins on Sunday. And uh, it's the kind of week that needs introduction, that if you're sort of not prepared for it and, and don't know how it tends to unfold in, in the traditions of the church, in, in the patterns um, that have been uh, at St. Augustine's and in many other churches, uh, it can be surprising or you might even miss some of the key parts that, that make Holy Week what it is. So we want to spend some time going through the week and, and talking about uh, very simply what has been important to us in that time. So um, Dan, I liked where, where you were going just before we started recording of uh, speaking about engaging the, the week in its entirety and, and sort of how the whole thing goes together. Do you, shall we begin there? Is that, uh, would you like to, to say a bit more sure. about that? Sure, I would be glad to. Uh, Holy Week is not only holy, H-O-L-Y, it's a whole, W-H-O-L-E. It is one great celebration with a number of different moments within that. And I like to, to think of it all in that way. It's a whole. It's a celebration that begins on Palm Sunday and brings us to Easter morning. And there are several moments that are highlighted there. We are taken in imagination in the liturgy of Holy Week through the last week of the life of Jesus. And it's described in the Gospels with with vividness, often in great detail. The accounts of the life of Jesus that we have in the Gospel are are full of, of some very important teachings that he shared with his disciples in that last week of his life. And we translate that into a number of different services that are special, distinctly different from what we do all the rest of the year, and highlight these moments so that we can dwell in them imaginatively and allow ourselves to be carried into despair, to be held there, to journey with Jesus into death, and to rise with him to newness of life at the end of that. It's a, it's a privileged journey. When I was active in parish ministry, one of the things I always did was I canceled everything 
in my appointment book during Holy Week, except the moments of the liturgy. And I would spend all of my time in that week either leading the worship of the church, those distinct moments that we celebrate, or thinking about them, preparing for them, praying my way into them, and just moving into and through that week with great attention. That uh, sounds to me, uh, I mean, we've led some retreats together, and uh, that um, resonates with me uh, in the way we've talked about preparing a retreat of, of setting aside the time of, of entering into that space, of getting into the liturgies and the topics and content, and, and really working to set aside everything else to enter that space in a, in a, in a holy way. And uh, we find with retreats that there is uh, a very transformative component to that space. That, that there's a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we reflect on how we've been changed through that time. And, uh, and Holy, Nate, Holy Week seems to be a space like that, that we can, we can actually step out of our normal. And uh, I mean, in, in these days, we're kind of out of our normal already, but, um, but to liturgically and in the readings of the church, in, in the practices we do, to find a way to set aside this week in a, in a unique way that, that is different for us and, and setting aside as much as we can to, to enter that fully. Um, I love that you've emphasized that we in fact have the opportunity to treat our reading about and praying with the events of Holy Week as a retreat. We do have that right now. Mm-hmm. And it is marvelous. And so, uh, practically, any any Holy Week has as its sort of major components: um, Palm, Passion Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, which which turns in the evening uh, to the Easter Vigil, and and then Easter Sunday, and and those as you're describing, all kind of hold together and yet they give us um, uh, some specific things that uh, that draw us deeper in that. I'll invite Megan into the conversation at this point and um, and I think one of the distinctives that that happens through this week is how the music plays out and and there if there's any time in the church that there are pot boilers these, major hymns that, that we come to um, and, and, and musically how we engage the time. Megan, do you want to say um, some things about how you think about uh, music through Holy Week and, and what has drawn you in, even some memories that, that mark your reflections on Holy Week? Um, sure. Um, I, you said this time of all others, we have these pot boilers. Um, but for those who are not so accustomed to celebrating Holy Week the way we do, um, I would 
I would suggest that Christmas is the other time that perhaps more people can resonate with. And, and you know, at Christmas time when you, maybe not in November when they start playing them, but there comes a moment where you hear the carols and you're immediately drawn into the Christmas spirit or whatever it is. Um, I think at, within our culture, that's that's a more common experience is to hear certain tunes that are, and songs that are sung every single year and it brings us right into uh, a spirit or a reflection or a, it moves us in a way appropriate to the season. And, and I think that's when such a strength of, of our Anglican pattern or any, any church that follows a liturgical calendar um, is, is that that experience of music and the way it draws us into a certain reflection or feeling um, is is brought to different parts of our year as well and particularly in Holy Week and Easter these songs that we sing every year and every year um, we may hear them differently we may hear things that we haven't heard before in them um, but they are songs that we reserve for this time and um, and so they immediately draw us draw us into a reflection appropriate to this time of year. Mm -hmm. um, I I want to say for myself, I find that the music is is helpful almost in a on an emotional level uh, in the, in the sense that we you know we face on Palm Sunday we we begin with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey. And, and then partway through that service, mm -hmm. there's a shift that happens. Mm -hmm. and, and we go on to reading the entire passion story. And, and I find the music especially helpful in, in helping me kind of dwell in that paradox and the mystery of, of those two stories being held together in in the person of Jesus and and in the way his story has has played out, um, and and I I think uh, through the other moments as well. Are there any other Ab no absolutely that come to mind that where music kind of plays a, an integral? Oh, absolutely. Part? So the music um, is highlights and and brings within our emotional experience the the tremendous contrasts within a, sh a short period of time um, in in our tradition generally all of Lent tends to be more somber and reflective music and then we have this moment in Palm Sunday where you know if we were at the church is is a bodily uh, expression of um, the triumphal entry where we we actually parade around and wave palm branches and the music is celebratory and um, explosive and and then very quickly um, the music is transformed into um, into something very very somber even where I said Lent was quiet and reflective this comes uh, to an even greater degree, um, to music that is somber. 
And, and then we've often ended that service in silence. In silence, yeah. To kind of emphasize that almost like every noise disappears yeah. at, at that point. And I, yeah, and to be honest, I, I don't know what we'll do this week um, because of how different things are. So then to end that in silence, um, and then there's the Holy Week in between. Um, but then the next Sunday morning is, is bells and whistles, pull out all the stops, and, and you really experience that contrast. I, I remember N.T. Wright saying, uh, I forget if it was in written or, or hearing him somewhere, that uh, if there's any time for champagne in the church, it's <laughs> Easter. <laughs> and, and thinking, you know, how uh, it's left me thinking some years, how do, how do we celebrate in our wider community? Like, what are the natural cues to celebration that we experience in our in our wider life? And and do we sort of apply those to this great news that Jesus has risen? And and how 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 can we help ourselves to to make that shift in in and the move in that way? Um, I think I want to speak a bit about. Uh, Maundy Thursday as um, uh, as a, an entry into the the sort of I want to say the center of Holy Week because it carries with it again like Palm Sunday uh, it enters with a meal and many churches mark that with a, a light supper and and then continue into the service uh, St. Augustine's for a long time did uh, a full recollection of the Seder Supper with um, roast lamb and it was beautiful but it was also a lot of work and on a busy week uh, we decided a few years ago that that it wasn't quite the right moment to to be doing that uh, so we, we've done sort of a light Mediterranean meal before Monday Thursday and then going into what is a fairly typical Anglican service uh, and and centered around the the Last Supper and 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 the Eucharist that we share in but but what unfolds after that is absolutely not like anything that we do any other point of the year where the 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 sanctuary is stripped and and the reading from Matthew of of Jesus coming to his arrest and the disciples scattering, and the the altar guild, uh, the the group that sets up for the sanctuary and, and prepares it every year, then go into this mode of deconstructing everything beautiful in the sanctuary, and and you come to this moment where, while the outer church is being torn apart, you feel. Uh, internally like you are being torn apart and and somehow participating with this strange moment that that Jesus is experiencing and his disciples are experiencing and uh, and there again the the uh, the service ends in silence in darkness we just kind of sit there and and some sit there a long time it's one of my memories actually from my teen years that my sister and I, for whatever reason, sat a really long time at at least one Maundy Thursday service because maybe we were just so overwhelmed by 
what had just happened and were trying to process. Um, and, and yet that seems like such a gift to, to be interacting with Jesus in that very palpable way. And, and in the breadth of the year, this one moment where everything beautiful is taken down. Dan, I know you uh, would um, put together a single leaflet uh, from Maundy Thursday through to the Easter Vigil. Is that right? Um, yes, I would. Yeah. Do you want to say? Do you want to talk a bit about that and and how those days hang together and 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 what has been important for you in in those great three days? Well, it was simply a tool to emphasize what I was saying earlier, that this is a, a single celebration uh, with a single theme and several moments within that celebration are highlighted uh, because they celebrate moments in the life of Jesus and perhaps moments in our lives um, where where there's an important journey happening. And it's a journey that that begins with a kind of solemn joy and is is dragged down into into sorrowful experience of of suffering and oppression. And then, being in that as we allow and watch God take all of that destructive power and bring a new life out of it. It's a, it's a lifetime of living, a lifetime of living in joy and suffering and death and coming out the other side. And so, so we, we don't uh, really find anything special on Easter morning except that there's lilies in the church and white vestments now instead of purple. And we sing Alleluia a few times. <laughs> that's the only thing that's distinctive about Easter Sunday. If you haven't been to the Holy Week services. <laughs> if you've been to the Holy Week services, it is a much richer celebration. It's something more than just a special Sunday. It, it, it is, it, it is uh, 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 a joyful blowout of 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 a solemn joy that that is only possible when we've come through something really hard. And and so Holy Week invites us to do that hard thing by in imagination and prayer being right beside our Lord as he goes through those moments in his life so that we find ourselves accompanied by our Lord 
as we go through those kind of moments in our lives, we're unlikely to be crucified. But, you know, we do suffer. Life sometimes is just hard. And in the midst of it, we feel alone. And how can we go through those moments in our lives with courage, with grace, with dignity, unless we have the support of somebody who's been there and done that with us through it all. And these separate moments of, of the special services in Holy Week highlight that. Gathering together with your friends, exploring together how we care for each other. One of the things we do on Monday, Thursday is wash each other's feet. Mm -hmm. As Jesus washed his disciples' feet as he, as he knelt with them, we, we think of great, great family gatherings where the whole family comes together in joy and and what begins to get worked out in practice often in these things is how we look after each other. And so we get all of that modeled for us on Thursday night. And then we, we find it taken away as we enter into the desolation of Good Friday. And we, we watch those trials of Jesus and his crucifixion and then move into Saturday and we're just hanging around wondering what it's all going to come to now. And in the middle of that wondering, we take the elements of the, of the Easter Vigil, memories of where we have been desolate in the past and where God has done something to bring us to a new place. So we read the accounts of the history of Israel. We read of the prophets interpreting what was happening when people were in exile. And we take all of that and try to Imagine how it is that this applies to us now in our waiting state to see what God is going to do with our dead Jesus and with our dead selves. And the vigil means wait. And so we wait with memory and patient hope in the full trust that God brings something wonderful out of all of his experience, that God brings life out of death. And that was held up in front of us by the resurrection of Jesus. And we hold it as a promise that will be fulfilled in our lives as well. So Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil makes us free to really celebrate the newness that is given to us.
that we celebrate on Easter. And I, I hear in that something, Dan, um, of you, you, you got into a little bit of the, the sort of impact that Holy Week has in our lives. And that might be a good place to go from here um, is just to reflect. And I'd be interested for the two of you, um, it, you know, how how you feel Holy Week has changed you in a way or what what it has given you in uh, in your life of faith, because um, I feel like it's it's something that we we walk through, and then later on we look back and realize um, what a what a gift that has been. Um, I think for myself, uh, I I reflect on how I think especially Good Friday and and Holy Saturday can become kind of images or metaphors that, that stay with me um, in, in the sense of uh, recognizing that, that whether as a society or as an individual, I'm, I'm coming into a time of, of Good Friday. I'm coming into a time of a death uh, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, very personally of walking through a death and, and uh, you know, a family death that that kind of throws us into a Good Friday experience, um, or on on Holy Saturday, uh, I've I've always found myself resonating with the the sort of space or tension of that, and uh, and I feel like those those two in particular, I've I've found helpful almost practically uh, that that I kind of know how to engage those times because I've spent time learning about it in Holy Week that I, I kind of know that God is present in those lifetimes of Good Friday and Holy Saturday because I've, uh, I've been present to those. And th those are just kind of some first thoughts that, of how Holy Week has, has changed me. Either, either of you that want to jump in at this point? Um, I think in all of this and listening and, and I'm conscious that what Holy Week gives to me is is knowing of myself that um, in works of imagination to imagine myself or, or to imagine anything, I'm lazy and impatient and, um, and to uh, read anything in the Bible or any anything like that, especially in the Bible, it's easy to just read it and think, oh, okay, got it. I've read that before, heard that before. And what Holy Week does is it paces me and it forces me into imagination because of its, its use of time. It's being spread out through the week. Um, but it is also so physical. And you've asked about um, music in particular, but, but it's, it's all, all the sensory bits that go into Holy Week. The, um, the music itself, but the darkness and silence and the stripping away of any ornamentation on Maundy Thursday. Um, 
the the actual foot washing, not just thinking about foot washing, the eating food. Um, and um, so one thing that Holy Week highlights for me throughout the year is for myself, and I, I suspect for, for many, many people, um, a reinforcement that we're physical beings and, and to expect that we will imagine fully or um, be, even be thoughtful enough in the abstract is, is not as effective or as good or as rich as, as getting our physical selves right in there with, with imagery and art and tactile things and I, how much we, we need that. Dan, how about for you? All of that, as Megan described it, has been, for me, a major support in my life. But it has also provided for me a framework of meaning within which I can place the moments of my own life. And so it, it has helped me to to integrate and make sense of uh, some very difficult moments in my life. I mean, lots of you who will be listening to this don't have, uh, don't may not know me personally, but I have the genetic gift from my family of of uh, some severe heart issues. I'm 73 years old now. And, and I've had major heart trouble uh, throughout my life, beginning at, at age 32. Um, I have had a number of, of, of moments of, of heart failure uh, throughout uh, these past 40 years of my life. I have had I have had uh, I have had damage to my lungs and and failure of the functioning of my lungs uh, as, as well as my heart and this has been an ongoing journey for me to live with increasing and severe disability. Uh, Holy Week has for me provided a framework within which I can live and understand my own life, a life that has been lived with with fear, sadness, sorrow, but also, I hope, with with uh, generosity and care and compassion. And what has enabled me to use the experience of my life and become a better priest for it has been the experience of, of the journey 
that is that is typified by the Holy Week story. I get a chance to 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 have the disparate pieces of sorrow in my life redeemed and made whole and me set free from the destructive power of those things so that I can live hopefully and well. So Holy Week is serious business for me. It has to do with whether I live and how I live. Well, thank you, Megan and Dan. I think we'll leave our conversation there. And uh, I think it is right to make, for those who are listening, a simple invitation for you to think about how you might take up the work of Holy Week in this next week, this year, in 2020. And, and mark these days uh, with communities in your own homes. Uh, of course, we can't be doing the physical interaction, uh, but we do uh, live with people and and we still need to engage these patterns. And uh, I know at St. Augustine's we'll be uh, providing some resources of how we might do that this year. Um, but we very simply invite you into a Holy Lent and pray that you would be blessed in that passage. So thank you, Dan and Megan, for this time together. You're welcome. Thanks.